0: I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 3, and then from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 31 through 40. I invite you to turn with me in your own Bible or in the Bible found there in the pew around you first to Isaiah 55, 1 through 3. Hear now these words Oh, everyone who thirst, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David." And our gospel lesson, again, is from John chapter 6, verses 31 through 40. Again, John chapter 6, verses 31 through 40. Hear now these words. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. "'But it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. "'For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven "'and gives life to the world.' "'They said to him, "'Sir, give us this bread always.' "'So Jesus said to them, "'I am the bread of life. "'Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, "'and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. "'But I said to you that you have seen me "'and yet do not believe.' Everything that the Father gives me will come to me. And anyone who comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. This, indeed, is in the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, as we have come to this place today, we have come expecting to feel your holy presence. And so we come, and we know that you are here whether it was when we got here and parked our cars and got out that we could feel something was different. Lord, may your Holy Spirit speak to us as you bring us close together, making us one. May we be ready to receive your word. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Today, we're continuing to talk about our baptism, our baptismal vows that we make and those things that we are trying to continue to live into. And there's always something just so special about baptism. I may not remember my baptism, for I was baptized as an infant, but I can tell you this I remember when my children were baptized. Oh, the first, my first son, Jacob, was born at a time where I was serving as a student pastor at one church, a very small rural congregation. And then in the evenings, I was also the youth pastor at another church. And so it was a crazy time indeed, as I was also in school pursuing my master's. And so Jacob was born and I would on Sunday morning be at one church and on Sunday night be at another church. On Tuesday night, teaching Bible study at one church, Wednesday night teaching Bible study at another church and so to bring all of this together for Jacob's baptism we had a special worship service on Sunday night my dad who is now retired but was an active United Methodist pastor dad came and he preached a message and he and the pastor that I worked with at the church where I was the youth pastor they baptized my son it was something special he may not have known it in the moment but there was something special about God placing his mark upon Jacob's heart. I remember my second son, Aaron, was born while I was serving as the associate pastor at a church in Smithfield. And so once again, my dad took off a Sunday and he came to be a part of that service. And once again, as the family had gathered, I'll never forget that day and watching my son receive that mark, that gift of baptism. And then years later, a few years down the road, I had the opportunity to teach my own children confirmation class. And as we had a large class that year, it was such a beautiful time to be able to grow and to see my children willing to get to that point where they might themselves accept and claim that baptism that had been done prior to And as we went through that service, all the youth that were being confirmed were kneeling along the altar rail and we asked them the questions. And I went down the row and as we went in alphabetical order, the last name seat were two of the last ones. And I'll never forget getting to Jacob and Aaron and to place my hands upon them. And folks, I got emotional. I couldn't speak. It was one of those moments that it felt like it was probably uh, 15 seconds that I was trying to get a word out of my throat but I just had that lump there and I couldn't say a thing because it meant so much recognizing what they were accepting what they were doing oh there's just something powerful about baptism there's something powerful about what God is doing within us there's something powerful about the statement that we are making in our baptism, something that I didn't understand as a child, but I could see that there was something different. In fact, when my dad served a church not very far from here, Orange Chapel, United Methodist, is, was when he was serving there that he had some people in the church that wanted to be baptized. They had not been baptized before, and so they reached out to dad and said that they wanted to be baptized, and they didn't want to be baptized in the sprinkling way that we many times do. They wanted to be baptized by full immersion. And so they had already contacted a farmer who had a cow pasture. And in that cow pasture was a pond. And they arranged for the baptism to take place at this pond in the middle of this cow pasture. Now, even as a child, something seemed weird. Because I looked at that water, and to think that that water, the way it looked, the way it smelled would symbolize somehow someone being washed clean. But you know what? I watched my dad get into the water, and then I watched them step down onto the muddy banks into that dirty-looking water, and I watched my father lower them, dying to self, rising to Christ, to live through Christ. And I could see the expression on their faces. And while I could not yet fully understand it, I knew that there was something powerful taking place. There was something powerful about that baptism. And so we ourselves, we're spending a little bit of time remembering our baptism, remembering those vows, those statements that we affirm, those things that we hold true to. And we're trying to recognize the ways that baptism is a beginning. It's something that sets us forth on a journey, something we live into constantly. And so we're trying to take a look at the ways that we can live into our baptismal vows. And just last week, we considered the very first question that is asked when someone is presented for baptism. That question that they are asked is, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? It is this acknowledgement that we are renouncing the spiritual forces of this world as we step into a new world. And that word wickedness, wickedness. We don't use wickedness very often, but in the scriptures it's used quite often. And in fact, there's a lot of words that are defined, uh, translated as wickedness. And so what are the spiritual forces of this world that we are being called on to renounce? Well, as I look at some of the different words that the Bible uses to define as uh, wickedness, there's one of those words is vanity. That vanity is a wickedness. Vanity would be a wickedness. Now, that's not a vain effort. Sorry, you have to think about that one. It's kind of like the blood drive coming up this week, the vain effort. So, the vain effort, vanity... Is when we find ourselves so drawn to ourselves that we cannot look to what it is we're to be looking towards. These things that are of worth, no merit, of no value. That's another word that is found in the scriptures that is defined as translated as wickedness, a word that means worthless. We pursue those things which are worthless, those things are a distraction. It's the shiny object that takes us away from what our focus should be. And I think we can recognize in our lives, there are a lot of things that take our focus away from what it should be. We are called to renounce wickedness, those things that distract us from what our focus should be upon. We're called to reject the evil powers of this world. And what are the evil powers of this world? Well, may depend upon what political party you align with if you're aligning with one particular party you may be thinking that the other side represents evil powers or if you're from the other party you might think that the other side is representing the evil powers of this world and the truth is you're both right (laughs) there are evil powers all around us those things that control us those things that take hold of us and one of my favorite pastors, Adam Hamilton, is doing a worship series on technology right now. And just last week, when I was listening to the message, he was talking about how we become addicted to our screens. And I felt like it was stepping all over my toes as I listened to those words. The technology of the cell phone has taken hold of us, it is a power that holds on to us. An example of how addicted to the screens we may be is do you ever walk out of the room without your cell phone but then turn right back to go get it because you can't bear to be without it just for a moment? We're stuck in this mindset of wanting to always stay on top of things. What's the newest updates? What things are happening in the world around us? What are our friends doing on social media? And so we go and we find ourselves so addicted and we're controlled by the powers of this world. Called to reject the evil powers of this world, and so in one way, that 's one of the things I 'm trying to do this year is to, to live out being set free from those evil powers, not letting those things have such control over me. And when I renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, when I reject the evil powers of this world, I acknowledge that I've fallen short and missed the mark, and I repent of our sin. That's one of the ways that I'm living into that first question. And today, we're looking at our second question that is found in our order of worship when someone is to be baptized. The question is, do you accept the freedom and the power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you? be able to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. I think that before we can accept that freedom and power that God gives to us, we've got to first acknowledge the reality, the existence of evil, the reality of injustice in our world, and the matter of oppression. The reality is evil is real. Evil, I believe, is anything that distracts us, takes us away from God, which leads us to sin. Evil is that which pulls us away towards sin. And sin is anything that removes us from the presence of God, takes us away from God's purpose. And so I think there is a true reality of evil all around us. And if you don't believe that there's evil in this world, then I want to be in the world that you live in. Because it's all consuming all around us. And so many times we see the evil lived out through injustices, through the oppression that we see and that we may even experience. Our nation alone has witnessed so many injustices and uh, oppression throughout our history. Even sometimes within the context of a church, a body of Christ where people are coming to be washed clean, to be made whole, to find the welcome and love of Jesus Christ Even at times within the church, we find ourselves so divided over issues of injustice and oppression and how we're called to respond and react to it. I mean, here at Orange, I give thanks that we are truly committed to being able to provide an environment that is free of discrimination, that is free of harassment based on race, age, creed, color, nation, we're national origin, religion, ancestry, sex, disability, sexual orientation, genetics, gender identity, or even expression. All of these things. We are all a child of God that is coming to seek to understand who we are, who's claimed us, who's marked us. And we seek to live into that, fully providing opportunities for all people to grow. This and this way is one of the ways that we live into our vows And we are going to commit ourselves to renouncing and rejecting and resisting all of injustice and oppression. We are a people of God who are going to live into our baptismal vows. But it's hard. It's hard. And we grow tired and weary every day trying to fight injustice oppression and whatever and around us. It's hard. And when it is hard, we hear Isaiah's words. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You that have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? When we find ourselves distracted, looking towards the shiny object, being pulled away from our focus being on God, we will fall short. We will miss the mark. But God says, come to the waters, come to the waters, be nourished, be fed. Jesus goes on and says in John chapter six, as we were talking about, I am the bread of life. Jesus is, this is just the day after Jesus has just fed the mass of 5,000. And that day following the crowd continues to come and to follow him, seeking to once again experience that miracle. Jesus says, don't get distracted. Come to me. Focus on me. And all these other things will be resolved through me. It's not by our might, but it is hit through the bread of life that nourishes, that fills, that helps us have the ability to resist evil, injustice, and oppression, and whatever forms they present themselves. Friends, I invite you to take hold of that baptismal vow, that covenant that we made that we would commit ourselves daily. Once again, it's a baptism, it's a beginning. It's something we do every day. So may we look for the ways in our lives that we may live out a resistance, an acceptance of the power that comes from God to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. Let us pray. Lord, we find ourselves tired and weary as we seek to walk faithfully in your light. We find ourselves distracted by so many things of this world, and yet you call us to come to the waters. And so today, may we be willing to come. May we be reminded of those vows that we made that it would not just be a one-time thing but it would be something we live out every day accepting the power that comes through you for you are the living water, you are the bread of life and this battle that we face resisting evil injustices and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves is not something we can do on our own but it comes from you And so today, may we live into those vows as we come to the water. And may we accept the help that is of you. God, we pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at Orchard.